0: What's the one thing we all have in common? Well, maybe it's two. We need to eat and we want to enjoy it. But what if we lived in a community where eating healthy and local is possible for everyone? Well, the good news is that we do live there and that it is possible for everyone. The chef farm and fork podcast will teach you how to pick peak seasonal ingredients to make delicious uncomplicated dishes so that you can eat well while supporting local when it's available which is more often than you think We can't wait for you to get to know some of our favorite farmers, ranchers, artisans, and small business friends. Click the subscribe button now to join us in our adventures in community and gastronomy. Shopping at a farm store, farmer's market, or boutique that people love. Is it a sense of tradition or times past? Some have grown up shopping this way, but in this day and age, it's more likely a novel way to shop, a special treat even. Maybe some only go out of their way to a farm store or a farmer's market when they have the luxury of time. A rare, slow Saturday morning when youth soccer season is over or when the weather is nice and they want to spend the morning as a family. In Fauquier County, over the past few years, thanks to the collaborative efforts of several organizations in the community, the town of Warrington Farmer's Market has truly become a beloved Saturday morning meeting place for folks to have fun, nourish, and connect. However, the 2020 market season brings some challenges and innovative ways of accomplishing the goal of getting fresh, local food to people who depend on it. Perhaps it's the season to really celebrate why the market exists as a way to continue to ensure the stability of our local food system. In this episode, we'll introduce listeners to a small group that represents a very important category. The small business owners that are the base of our local food system. Some are farmers, some are small retail shop owners. Most of our guests are both. This debut episode of The Chef Farm and Fork podcast is going to be dropping at a time when we are in the midst of living in a much different way than usual in response to the COVID-19 crisis. Shoppers are avoiding crowds and gatherings of any kinds are not taking place as they usually would as this beautiful spring weather comes to the northern Piedmont region of Virginia. Despite all of this, community members like those in Fauquier County are looking for a sense of normalcy. Would it surprise you if I told you that food and the way that it nourishes our bodies and minds would be the thing that brings it? Let's take some time together to get to know the folks behind the food. We'll start with a very important woman that runs the historic Warrington Farmers Market. It's my pleasure to introduce our first guest on our first episode, someone I've had the pleasure of knowing for the past few years. Elizabeth Melson with the Warrington Farmer's Market. Elizabeth, if you could share a little bit about yourself so our listeners can get to know you, that would be great.
1: Sure. So I started my business Farm to Table Solutions, oh man, I think it was in 2015 or 2014. And it started as I recognized that there was a need for farmers and chefs and makers to have marketing assistance or you know, I'd visit their website or their social media and and see that maybe it hadn't been updated in a while and it was hard to get information about their farm or their farmer's market because it wasn't kept up with because, you know, everybody was busy farming or chefing. So I I started that business and that that led me into working for farmers markets and doing local sourcing for restaurants and working on some farms and doing edible landscaping as well. And so the projects that I'm currently involved in are mostly in Falkirk County and Rappahannock County. And that is uh, Warrington Farmers Market, Archwood Green Barns Farmers Market, and I'm a farm manager for Off the Grid, a farm to table restaurant in Rappahannock County.
0: Well, that's a lot of experience with farmers and food vendors in the industry. I feel like every time that I'm somewhere with you, whether it's at the farmer's market or out having something to drink, I feel like you know everybody. <laughs> Everyone in the food community, the beverage community, they all know you. So you are definitely an asset.
1: I thank you. Yeah, I do love connecting people and meeting people with a similar interest in the local food economy. And so I've just through my experiences and through wanting to purchase from farmers, I have met a lot of people and, and I can usually connect people when they're looking for some kind of project, something, you know, to make something happen. And you
0: just led us right into the next thing I was hoping to (laughs) talk to you about. So thank you for that. I was hoping that you could speak on one of your current projects, the Warrington Farmers Market. Sure. the farmer's market is a wonderful place to shop. And from that come some economic impacts for the community. Can you speak on the positive economic impacts the Warrenton farmer's market has on the community?
1: Yeah, I think before this COVID response, what warrenton farmers market had become was definitely more a, of a community destination and economic development driver more than just a place to go and buy local food or for commerce to take place you can say it's a historic market at this point it's it's been in operation in near or in the same location for 47 years now i think um And, you know, it's been growing and growing and growing over the years. And we've been working to really make it a destination with some of our community collaboration partners. So in a normal year, when we can have a pedestrian market, it really does bring a lot of people to Old Town Warrington. And, you know, they shop the market. They they visit with friends. They go up to Main Street. They shop the local stores and, and hit the local restaurants there. And it's just a gathering place. Yeah, I can attest to that. It is my whole social life during market season.
0: (laughs) I've really been missing it, so I'm glad we're able to all stay connected.
1: Definitely going to look a little different. How is the Warrenton market adapting
0: to continue its mission during the COVID pandemic? We've worked for weeks
1: to figure out how to still offer a place for the vendors to get their products to the people and do so safely. And so what we came up with after closely following what was coming out of the governor's office and, and v- Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services interpretations of those executive orders, we decided to come up with a drive-through market that encouraged pre-orders to eliminate um, touch points and to be able to control the, the traffic. We thought about, you know, could we limit it to 10 people at a time? And our market is such a gathering place that we didn't think that we would be able to do that safely. So we decided to to go a step above what is required right now for farmers market and actually make it a drive through market. So you literally went from talking about controlling
0: foot traffic to controlling vehicle traffic. (laughs) Yes. So we
1: took the market from two parking lots to, I think, four. And uh, yeah, definitely controlling traffic and and mapping out everything and, and working with the police department on, you know, the safest flow of traffic to get people to all the vendors.
0: Wow, that's really involved. So is the operating plan for this market pretty typical of what's being seen in our region? I think some of
1: the larger markets are going to this mode. I think Charlottesville has gone to a drive through market. And following some of the other markets, to the best of my ability, VAFMA, Virginia Farmers Market Association, is doing a fantastic job of communicating with the governor's office, VDAX, Virginia Department of Health, The individual markets, and they've started a list of what markets are open, how they've modified, and if they're offering pre-orders, how to do that. So if you go to Zafma.org, there is a pretty much live updated um, list of what markets are open and operating during COVID response.
0: Oh, that's great. So if we have any listeners outside of our area, they know where to go to look for markets to continue their farmer's market shopping habits. Yes. What has the Warrington Farmer's Market done in the past couple of years to make the market more accessible to everyone in the community and to combat the saying
1: that wealth equals health? Well, this is where our collaboration with community partners has just really allowed us to reach more people and um, make locally produced nutrient-dense food accessible to more. Um, We've worked with Falkier Fish to get the Pop Bucks program going on, which is vouchers funded by the PATH Foundation that work towards um, any food that is a SNAP-eligible item. So fruits, vegetables, meat, eggs, bread, even plants that grow into food. So garden plants and herbs. Additionally to that, we were also approved to be a SNAP authorized retailer. So people that are recipients of SNAP benefits, which used to be called food stamps, can come to the market and uh, swipe their EBT card and get tokens to use as currency at the market. And we've also partnered with the Virginia Fresh Match Program, which is a program that doubles the SNAP dollars. And then additionally, we have another grant that will triple the SNAP dollars with Pop Bucks. Wow.
0: And just so some of our listeners understand, um, POP stands for Power of Produce. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what usually goes on with the POP program?
1: The goal of the POP program is to increase access to local foods, but also increase market vitality. So we had multiple ways that we got the POP bucks out. We did some broad distribution at just community events like First Fridays and then through the schools, but then also some very targeted distribution to like food banks and through Fock Your Fish and through Virginia Department of Health so that we're actually reaching the the folks that might be having some food insecurity issues. So we're bringing all types of people to the market and also people that need help accessing food. Excellent. Excellent. I'm really looking forward
0: to shopping at market this season. And I'm curious to know what categories of product will be available and where can shoppers see participating vendors? So
1: I think the plan is going to be every week to... Um, post a vendor contact list. We're starting out with a limited number of vendors just to see how this drive-through market goes. And if there is demand and it goes smoothly, then we will will phase in additional vendors because we've accepted all of our vendors as if we were operating in a regular pedestrian market. So I think we have over 40 vendors that have been approved to sell at Warrington Farmers Market. But this first week on April 18th, we'll start with 19. And um, as we phase that in, then we'll get additional vendors. But we're making sure that you can get vegetables, fruit, plants, meat, baked goods, eggs, value-added items, preserved items. There may be some soaps, face masks, but not necessarily some of the more craft-type items, not yet at
0: least. If you could, would you take us through what the
1: market shopping experience will look like? Sure. So, we will have the shoppers enter the market from 2nd Street in downtown Warrington, and they will drive through, straight through one, two, three parking lots. And it's kind of a straight shot through there. And we'll, you know, we may block off traffic on a one way street so that we're kind of controlling entry points. Or we may find that we have to let people out and back in. So we're still working out the details. But from the broad picture, the the market entrance will be on 2nd Street. And you will wind your way through the parking lots where we'll have vendors. Eventually, when we expand it, you will then turn up 6th Street and go back down Main Street. That would be like our final phase before getting back to a pedestrian market, hopefully.
0: Okay. And I was fortunate enough to be able to put my eyes on this plan. (laughs) (laughs) And I did see that there were three separate lots. How are you dividing the vendors between the lots?
1: Oh, wow. That's the funnest part of (laughs) farmer's market management. (laughs) Um, There might've been a little sarcasm there. Um, I actually do enjoy working maps, but there's always reworking of maps. And I think we've done a pretty good job of making sure that there's like a meat and a produce and some other type of vendor in each parking lot. You can find what you need in every lot. You can go through the entire market, or if we do have it set up and you've gotten what you need and you don't feel that you need to go through the rest of the market that you could cut off and head on your way.
0: Okay. And will there be a market manager's tent?
1: Yes. Shortly after the second street entrance, there will be a market manager tent, and we will still be offering to redeem SNAP benefits. So at that tent, we will probably ask the uh, recipient to either pull off next to us and we'll, we'll take care of their SNAP transactions or I might be able to be able to set up to walk up to their vehicle and and do that redemption. I'm not quite sure yet.
0: Excellent. Well, I think it means so much that you all are taking SNAP right now. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of families who are going to be using this as a resource for their food purchases for the week.
1: Absolutely. I've I've skimmed some articles that said you know they've changed some of the the requirements. They're giving families maximum uh, allowable dollar, um, value of snap vouchers and, um, more people are, are, are eligible right now during COVID response. And
0: while we hate to see that, I'm really glad that there are places that folks can get fresh food during this time. Yes. Okay. So I am a customer and I have just entered the second street entrance to the market. I wave at you as I drive by the market manager's tent very slowly, and. Then when I get to my first vendor, I've placed an order with this vendor online first. So let's say it's Gonzales Produce. And I see Joaquin. He's smiling. He's got my order ready for me. Um, do I need to pop my trunk? Do I reach out to a table to, to snag my bag of products that he's got for me? How's this going to look?
1: I think when you place your order, those kind of details can be worked out with the vendor. Um, I think the safest way to go about it would be to pop your trunk. Um, And I I think that's probably the direction that many of the vendors are going. So if you have a pre-order, you would just kind of say, hey, my name's Natalie and I ordered blah, blah, blah. And uh, you pop your trunk, they pull your order and you put it in. Ideally, you've already paid through some kind of digital means and then, you know, you can go on to your next order. But you will be allowed to shop at other vendors that you haven't placed an order with, we're just strongly encouraging pre-orders to keep the traffic flow going. And because that is what the executive orders and and VDAX has interpreted that uh, shopping at farmers markets looks like right now. That makes me feel a little better. So if
0: I'm not completely organized and I haven't pre-ordered everything, I still have the opportunity to purchase from one of those other vendors. Yeah,
1: and we've asked the vendors to do things like turn off the signature requirement on their um, square or whatever payment device they have so that you can wipe your card or put it in the slot and then pull it out when they say it's ready. And then you don't have to actually handle their equipment and you don't have to sign. I see. So that's one of those minimizing touch points right?
0: that you were talking about. Right. Great. Thank you. Do you have any suggestions for market shoppers that will make the drive-through process easier or faster?
1: I would just say if you're familiar with your vendors to go ahead and try to pre-order as much as possible. If not, now is the time to get to know who you're actually shopping from when you go to the market and then maybe each week that just becomes part of the new routine for the foreseeable future is you know place your orders with your, your vendors. You know, maybe we will all become better meal planners through this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there's a few silver
1: linings.
0: (laughs) A few layers of silver lining at least. (laughs) Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for all the information you've given us today. I feel like this is really gonna help our listeners be more comfortable with what's gonna happen at the farmers market when we
1: have the big opening on Saturday. April 18th, Saturday, 8 a.m. to noon in the parking lots of Old Town Warrington, starting on 2nd Street, winding through 5th and Lee. That's as far as it goes on the first day. Great. Thank you
0: so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We're here now with Jesse Strait from Wiffletree Farm, and they are one of Warrenton and the surrounding area's most beloved farm businesses. So, Jesse, could you tell the listeners a little bit about the farm?
2: Sure. Uh, first of all, Natalie, thank you for having me on here, um, and I uh, appreciate what you're doing to get the word out to locals about alternative sources for really great local food. We raise and sell chicken, eggs, turkey, pork, and beef, and we raise all of our animals on fresh pasture, which means we're constantly moving our animals to fresh ground, non-GMO feed, no antibiotics, no chemical sprays on our land, and our beef is 100% grass-fed. We can go into more details about our farming practices, but that's sort of the the big bullet points I try and touch on. And we raise and sell that in our store on our farm. We also sell that in our neighborhood deliveries where customers can order online, pay online and pick up in their neighborhoods. And then we also sell to wholesale customers. And before the coronavirus that was mostly restaurants. So unfortunately that part of the business has really changed a lot and yeah, our restaurants are in tough shape. So yeah, so that's, that's, you know, a bit about sort of what we do and a little bit about how we do it. And then I am born and raised here in Warrington, went off to college, you know, studied religious studies in pre-med. So I had, you know, no thought of becoming a farmer but then after college um, my my wife and i were married and we were given a book by wendell berry that really kind of caught my imagination and to sort of make a long story short just kept reading and visiting farmers and trying little experiments out and then and we were living and working in Charlottesville. and then in 2009 actually it was the monday after easter on in 2009, we moved back to Warrington. So our 11th year reunion was just today. And oh, um, wow. yeah. And so uh, yeah, we moved back to my hometown. Uh, my, my parents are here. And, and we started with very little knowledge of what we're doing, but had some really great mentors and models. And yeah, and just sort of, you know, slowly built up our knowledge and our production and our customer base, and to you know where we are now, and we're very grateful to be able to provide what we think is you know some of the best food for really wonderful customers here in the area. So, uh, and then I guess you know so that that's what we raise and sell, but then we also offer other things from other farmer and producer friends that kind of fill out the diet that we find important for our own our own food, uh, and so we like to offer that also to our customers. Yeah.
0: I, yes, I did notice that you often carry product from other farms or food artisans. Can you speak to us a little bit about why you feel it's important to partner with other businesses?
2: Yeah, so it wasn't really something that I set off thinking I was going to do, but it was more driven by our, you know, Liz and myself, our own sort of food philosophy. So we, you know, you know, we had really grand plans when we were first starting out about how we we're going to raise everything we eat and, you know, make the clothes and, you know, those kind of <laughs> grand, you know, like total plans. And of course, um, that's, those are really hard to, to accomplish while, you know, running a business. So we end up finding out, you know, we actually need to sort of like collaborate and work with other people and, you know, try and get really good at what we do and then become friends with the people who are doing, you know, filling out the diet and have similar uh, farming and food philosophies and practices. So we, you know, wanted to put that together for ourselves. And then it was just a natural, you know, sort of aha moment. Well, like, of course our customers want that too. So uh, why don't we curate and put all these things together? And, you know, we're, you know, obviously <laughs> very conscientious about our farming practices and what we want to feed ourselves and our family And so we can offer that to our customers and that might be a benefit to other farmers where, you know, we're able to move more of their product and maybe that's a good thing for them. And then that's hopefully a good thing for our customers. And then of course, you know, we're obviously we're very different from what the the food that you would get at a grocery store, but nonetheless, like the reality of people's lives are most people don't have time to drive to seven different farms to get their proteins dairy veggie baked goods seafood you know oils fats uh, you know nuts grains so we wanted to lower the threshold for people getting really excellent food and you know and then of course that also is just a good thing for us because if someone has five reasons to come to us rather than one they're more likely to come to us and so that's good for our business if we just had beef, you know, someone might be like, well, I'll go next week. I'll go next week. I'll go next week. But, you know, if we have a whole lot of things, maybe we'll just come this week. So that was all sort of part of the history and the, you know, the thought behind it.
0: Yes. I think that's really, really important as a consumer myself, (laughs) that, you know, I'm able to maximize the value of the time I spend somewhere. And I think your farm store has done a really great job of having a nice rounded product offering. I really enjoy seeing your posts on social media about what you're featuring that week. And if, you know, say uh, Josh Fried from Freed's Biscuits is going to yeah. be there.
3: <laughs>
2: yes.
0: I, I think that's just great. And it's nice to know that you are supporting a business that also buys from you. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see those products married together in that way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I just, I like, uh, I don't know. I like being with people and I like working with people and it's a lot of fun when you get to do that with people who are excited about the same things you are in terms of excellence of food and excellence of farming practices and just start to finish integrity of the, the work and the product. So it's a pleasure to work with people like Josh and other people that, you know, we see eye to eye, On those kinds of things and it's fun for me and i just see it as a no-brainer in terms of a win-win you know we get to have fun together getting each other encouraged and enthusiastic about what we're doing and obviously you know i'm trying to drive traffic to josh and josh is helping drive traffic traffic to me josh is you know using our chicken and eggs which is of course good for me that he's buying those things And I think that's great for the people who are buying his food because they're getting really awesome ingredients and that's going to make his food all the tastier and all the healthier. So when these things can happen, I just think it's great. And um, it just, you know, usually just takes a little bit of talking and hammering out little details and let's try it. And if it doesn't work, oh, well, and oh, that worked great. Cool. Let's keep doing it. Oh, let's put this twist on it. So I'm a, as anyone who knows me well will know, I'm a definitely a schemer and love to sort of put my heads together with <laughs> other, you know, good people and just think about ways we can work together. And so, yeah, I love that kind of stuff.
0: Well, that's been Pretty much every conversation I've had with you up until this point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's true.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, Jesse, you know, I just for a second want to talk about something I see from time to time on, again, on your social media posts, which I think is really cool. So you and Liz have some children. Yeah. And every once in a while, your kids will have a product that is featured in your farm store. And I think yeah that's amazing. And one of the things that I love when I see that is that you're fostering that entrepreneurial spirit in your children. And is it, is it something they really enjoy doing?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I think, you know, obviously I, you know, wear my heart on my sleeve and, and my kids see what gets me excited. And, you know, I, I, you know, want to be careful about that because I don't want to make my kids think that you have to be like me to make me proud or you have to be like me to be happy or something, you know. But, mm-hmm. but of course, it's, you can't help but just be yourself and, and and you know, uh, try and encourage the kids and, and the persons that they are. Uh, yeah, so anyway, like, I guess, you know, I'm thinking when you mentioned that, several of my kids were into making those, you know, potholders, those sort of, you know, simple loom potholders. And um, yeah, it it, it is a real joy to see kids get a glimpse of the satisfaction of work and that work is their own, you know, like it's one thing to like, you know, as a kid to be a part of a group and, you know, all right, we're going to accomplish, we're going to, you know, break the backyard or whatever, you know, we're gonna do this together and that's cool. But there's also something really special when it's like, I did this thing all by myself from start to finish And I figured out what my costs are and how much time it took me and, and, and then to have them have the satisfaction of people, you know, buying those potholders and complimenting them on how beautiful they are. And, And of course people are very nice and very kind, um, and, and, and all that. So yeah, it is, it's a joy to see, you know, my kids get to have that get to have that satisfaction and uh, I could try to think what other things they've done. I mean, uh, that's this is this is something that like I find really important. If you don't mind me going a bit of a tangent here, not a tangent but related, is that some people will say to me, "Oh man, you have a lot of kids. It's a lot of good free help." Ha ha ha. And I don't mean to like make a big deal about a simple joke. You know, it's a joke, no big deal. But it is something that I've thought a lot about. And there's a lot of people out there, and the sort of the the common trope story is, you know, the, the kids who can't get off the farm fast enough because of how hard they worked and how little they got paid and how grueling it was and how they couldn't wait to get to the big city and make the big bucks and have the easy life. And, um, and I think that's a really sad story um, because that basically is telling the story of the sort of desolation of American farms. And so one thing I've really taken from one of my mentors, which is Joel Saladin of Polyface Farm, is mm. he talks about he talks about um, how important it is to pay your children well in doing farm work. And of course, like we're not talking about, you know, making your bed and cleaning your room and helping with keeping the house clean and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about actually farm business stuff and Part of that is because the hope here is that, you know, we're not running a business that's subsidized in any way. You know, like again, we pride ourselves in the idea that our farming from start to finish doesn't exploit anything. You know, we're not exploiting the land, we're not exploiting the animals, we're not exploiting any of the people, we're not exploiting the customers. We're not exploiting the taxpayers who subsidize it. You know, we're not, we're trying to have it be the case that everything we touch is benefited by our work. So wouldn't that be, of course, our children, (laughs) you know, like, so I just think it's, you know, I really value Joel's advice here with that, like, you know, at the end of your life, would you be sorry that you had a little less in your bank account because you maybe overpaid your children? Or would you be sorry that, you taught your children that farming wasn't a viable career because, you know, you paid them pennies. And and by paying them pennies or not by paying them at all, you basically taught them, hey, kids, this isn't something you can actually make a living at unless you're taking advantage of people. Um, and I'm not trying to say that, like, you know, not paying kids in farm work is taking advantage of them. I know there's, like, all kinds of different ways of looking at it. But just to back to my point without getting sidetracked is just, I really want to go the extra mile to teach my kids that no, this is like not only really enjoyable and satisfying work, but it's actually work that you can make a living doing. And because, you know, part of my dream here is I would just love it if one or more of my kids fell in love with the farm and fell in love with the work. And again, not some kind of heavy hand like, got to be like me, you know, but just like, isn't this so beautiful? And isn't this so satisfying? And I would love for you to come alongside me and do, let's do this together. And, uh, that my kids involvement in the business, both in those like little entrepreneurial things you've seen. And then also the way in which they're involved, uh, with tasks, you know, like, uh, one of my daughters helps, uh, gather the eggs from one of the flocks every day. And I don't pay her by the hour. I pay her by the task, because I've timed myself and I I know how fast I can gather those eggs. And here's what I'd like to pay myself. So I'm going to pay you that and you can get it done in an hour or you can get it done in a half an hour and it's up to you. And again, that's like another like way in which compensation is based on tasks and really encourages creativity, you know, how can I do this faster? And if I, I get done faster, like I got more time to play and I still get that same amount of money and, and it engages your intellect. It's not just sort of like, ho hum, doddle, doddle. Those are all things that thinking through my kids involvement in the farm is really important to me. And um, I've had, I feel like I've have a lot of, a lot of great uh, tips from, from Joel Saladin and, and some of the ways he's thought through this, but Um, yeah, anyway, a little bit of a tangent there.
0: (laughs) No, no. I mean, we all love to get to know the folks that we're purchasing product from, because for me, that's how I choose the businesses I work with, you know, their values. And if I think their, their values are in alignment with what I believe, I'm more than happy to support a business. Yeah. You know, the style in which you operate your business. Yeah. So Jesse, do you have anything in your farm market right now that you just can't get enough of?
2: Um, yeah. So I guess a couple of things come to mind right away is we're offering some fresh organically raised veggies from Stephen and Amanda Day at Starstead Farm. All and right. Yeah. And, you know, my my wife Liz does not give out compliments easily, and she is just totally raving over their greens their, their kale and spinach are just incredible. Um, so anyway, we're, we're eating those, you know, multiple meals a day with, uh, you know, with everything else we have. And, um, the other thing that I'm really excited about is I brought some of our beef back from the slaughterhouse on, cause it was Friday and the ribeye steaks, look incredible. So I'm a big fan of, of ribeyes and these look really beautiful. So uh, those are a couple things that come to mind. And then, I guess the other thing that's kind of really exciting right now is we were out of bacon for a while with this whole sort of Corona run. Uh, and we have a lot of bacon in house right now. So we and other people are very happy about that.
0: <laughs> I would be definitely yes, yep. <laughs> and soon enough we'll have some tomatoes to go with that
2: yeah. oh yeah I can't beat that
0: <laughs> so so I was wondering and with your farm market you all probably don't lack for many of the delicious foods that you desire but if you had to choose only one product from the farm to have at home during during an extended lockdown period kind of like now what would it be <laughs>
2: so is this the kind of thing where like we have to eat the same thing for two weeks or, mm. or, or, or can you clarify?
0: (laughs) Can I clarify? Okay. Maybe let's rephrase that. If you were stranded on an Island (laughs) with only one choice of item from your farm market, what would it be?
2: Um, Yeah. I'm probably going to have to go with that ribeye steak.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's versatile, <Yep>. right? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we know where your heart lies.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: Well, Jesse, thank you so much for your time. I know you all have been a little extra busy lately pulling orders for, for customers. Um, and yep. I really appreciate that you could just take this time to help us get to know Waffle Tree Farm and get to know you a little bit better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Natalie, thanks so much for taking your time to do this. I know you're not sitting around taking it easy and, um, and yeah, I really appreciate your desire to to get the word out to people about our local farms. And, um, you know, I guess, uh, I, I hope that, um, maybe one of the good things that comes of this whole coronavirus thing is just a greater appreciation for, uh, what local farms can bring to a community um, you know as people go into grocery stores and see uh, empty shelves and you feel that that bit of a panic um, and that fear uh, you know maybe that'll be a bit of a wake-up call for the stability and the security that local farms can provide where that food supply chain is very short and uh, and if you know if Fauquier County was, had, um, you know, 25 wiffle tree farms in it, you know, and people, you know, could say, Oh, who cares if that grocery store aisles empty? We got all these farms that are making this food that's ready to go. And there's no, you know, worry about like running out of diesel fuel to get it to us or, you know, whatever, like it's here. I just think, um, you know, so anyway, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, uh, um, a little off the point there, but, all that to say is, um, I really appreciate your uh, your work here to try and get the word out. You, you know, um, for farms like ourselves, and and I hope that we can uh, do, make our county proud in how we serve uh, serve everyone here.
0: Yeah, I think you're you're already doing that, and it's it's my pleasure to be able to support our farmers that help build our local food system and you know our regional food systems even. Um, I'm looking forward to having some more conversations with you, Jesse, but Great. for now we will maybe let you get some sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sounds good.
0: <laughs> okay. Jesse, thank you so much. No problem. Good night. Okay. Good night. Our next guest is Jean-Marie Tufts. She's the new owner of the Town Duck in Old Town Warrington. Hi, Jean-Marie. Hi, Hi. Natalie. Jean-Marie, could you tell the listeners
4: a little bit about your shop? Sure. So if you're not familiar with the Town Duck, um, we are located in Old Town Warrington, Virginia, 100 Main Street. Um, We are in the same location that the shop has operated for the last, uh, I guess, over a decade. It is the third location of the store, and we are the fourth owners. So um, we have a variety of goods here. It's more than just food. Um, We have um, lots of gifts that range from gardener to baby and a bridal registry, just to name a few. Um, And we can get into, I guess, a little bit about the food later. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the town duck in a nutshell, and we're, we're happy to be here.
0: And what are a couple of unique services or products that you're offering to customers right
5: now?
4: Sure. So right now, I'll say we took ownership on March 7th. So being first-time business owners, we've had to sort of take this head on with the current state of things. But in in a lot of ways, it's all we know. So we are just kind of taking this day by day and trying to find ways to um, reach our customer base that mostly looks like curbside service. So we've got wine, we've got a lot of gourmet and fine foods to offer, everything from pasta and sauces to chocolates. We did invest in a new refrigerated cheese counter when we purchased the town duck. So now we've got lots of cheese offerings from all over, and those have been very popular. Additionally, we have resumed uh, fish offerings once weekly on Fridays. We have a fish purveyor that delivers us a special order for customers who have placed it earlier in the week. And we do that via our newsletter. So those are a few things that we're doing right now. And basically we have customers call in and it can be a very specific request or it can be, hey, I need a case of wine, throw in some cheese and crackers. Uh, We're hunkering down and, and we do that. So it's actually been very easy and fun to do. We've, we've actually really
0: enjoyed working with our customers this way. Oh, I'm sure. I have actually had the opportunity to come to the shop and I know that the customers are just so excited that you all are there and that you're a resource in Old Town Warrington. Yeah,
4: we're, we're happy to be here and we, we really do feel the support. So um, it's been nice to be welcomed into the fold on Main Street this way. So, Jean-Marie, how has the Town Duck adjusted to serve customers during this time? So, I would say right now a majority of our customers are looking for food and wine and uh, those types of sundry items. Well, we've had an occasional request for a gift basket, which I should mention is one of sort of the... hallmarks of the town duck, the beautiful handmade pull together gift baskets that have anything from cheese and wine to soaps and other really nice items can be done uh, for customers as well. But a majority of the requests we're getting right now are simply for things that people can put in their kitchen. And um, our fish dry run last week went really well. And so we're offering it again this week. And I guess out of um, sort of my own personal interest and request, he thought, well, how can I take this a step further? What else can I include? You know, you've got your fish, you've got some of your snacks, and I would love to see some greens on my table that I don't have to stop at multiple, you know, shops for trying to not have to make it to the grocery store frequently. So enter um, Tim, who is known as one of the local Warrenton farmers market staples. He um, owns Living Springs microgreens out in Amosville. And so he um, through you, Natalie, your introduction. I <laughs> uh, stopped by the store the other day and gave me a sampling of the most delicious pea shoots in a little uh, brown, you know, sort of bento box container. And um, they've got coconut um, as their their foundation there. And I just, we, our family devoured them and I thought this is great. And so he is willing this week to begin on Fridays to deliver uh, customers, any type of microgreens that he's got on his list for offerings. So similar to the way we go about ordering fish, the newsletter goes out on Wednesday with the fish offerings. And this week, those customers that receive that newsletter or email will also have a list of Tim's microgreens and vegetables that are available. And so as long as you email or call the shop, place your order before Thursday, 5 p.m., we'll have that all ready for you to go curbside Friday afternoon.
0: Wow, that is an amazing value of service that you're providing there. And I am so glad that you hooked up with Living Springs Microgreens because I really believe in Tim's products and they are delicious. They are beautiful. They pack a lot of nutrients and they're pretty versatile. Um, One of the things that's great about those microgreens and you you mentioned that they come with um well they're grown in a coconut mat base so there's no soil there to worry about rinsing off or contaminating any any of your food and you can actually keep those greens growing for a little bit so they you know everything's staying very fresh. Very
4: fresh. I um he delivered Four different samples to me this morning that included celery again the pea shoots we had some cilantro he suggested for taco oh. tuesday this evening and i'm totally oh, gonna yes. take it home and make that with uh <laughs> whiffle trees ground beef and um anyhow it's uh, and the fourth was the fourth oh red cabbage and so he said that these are easily uh, sustainable in your kitchen up to a week. You feed them water from the bottom, not from the top. Um, and he is going to give me some other tips for care, which are super basic, but just to remind any customers if they get them home and are unclear, does it go in the fridge? Does it not? Does it stay on the counter? That'll all be included in,
0: in the little bento box. So
4: we're excited to see the response
0: for it. And it is very easy to take care of those microgreens. So if if you're not unsure about them, just give them a shot. You can't mess up. If they (laughs) last that long, I
4: have to say ours disappeared. So um, And and it's the type of thing you just kind of walk to the kitchen and you graze on a little bit. And I know for us, we're just getting our garden started um, at home. And this is a nice way to just um, not only support Tim and our local farmers, but also to really enjoy the benefits of, of, of their work um, while you're getting your own little garden started at home. I think a lot of people, in light of everything that's going on, are starting to do their own home
0: gardens, which is super. And this is just a really nice supplement to that. And speaking of gardening, I saw that you had a few gardening products available in the shop. We do,
4: we do. So for the the gardener that that really gets down in the ground, we've got beautiful gloves. We've got basic weeder gloves that come in adult and children's size. That's fun to get the little one in your life. We have some beautiful goat skin leather gloves. We've got some digging knives and then some sun hats. That's sort of for the practical and functional gardener. And then there's a line of beautiful moss uh, pottery compo di fiori which is just the most beautiful gift to give with mother's day coming up or even just for yourself you can keep them indoors or outside and as your plants grow the moss sort of grows with it so they're they're lovely to look at and it's it's a nice way to see, sort of see the
0: fruits of your labor excellent Jean Marie how have you found the community of old town warrington
4: oh gosh Dandy, I um I think I can only say I've just been completely humbled by the outpouring of support and interest. And frankly, for lack of a better word, excitement for us in this new business venture, in in spite of everything that's going on around, I think there has been a real sense of positivity and encouragement when, um, you know, frankly, things are challenging, you know, to start a business in any, um, even in like a healthy economy is, is, is challenging. And, you know, you can be fearful of that, but I think doing it in this set of circumstances has really required this sense of um, support from the community. We've been buoyed by it. So I, um, I'm grateful for that. I'm excited to be here. I think I think everyone is going to have deepened appreciation if they didn't have it already for being able to shop locally and visit their their uh, neighbors on Main Street and their establishments, even if it's just to pop in and say hello. I think that's one of the things that most of our customers, our loyal customer base is, is missing right now because uh, the town duck has always been an open door to come in and just say hello, regardless of whether... You're here to purchase something for the day and that's changed these days and we are really looking forward to the day where we can throw our doors open and
0: say come on in and you know don't be shy and that that it's all good. Well, it seems like you've really connected with some of the other businesses in the area already. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yes. I think Max and I are
4: familiar with a lot of the the business owners. We've enjoyed supporting them over the years and having both uh, grown up in, in Warrington, it's familiar to us. So a lot about this decision feels right. And, you know, I think we're just excited to see where this all goes in the next few months, um, over the next year, how we can grow it, how we can fine tune and finesse and, um, just sort of make this a place that people want to come into, whether it's to say hello or to register for their wedding or to throw together a great
0: tailgate of items. And it's always nice when that comes naturally organically, to the situation. Yes, yes,
4: I think so. And, you know, to that point, I have said this before, but like, you know, birthdays continue to happen, babies are being born. My sister just had her first not two weeks ago. There's graduation season coming up, even though it's going to look very different for our graduates. Weddings are still happening, showers, all of that. And I think, I think knowing a lot of the locals, we know when those special events are. And so if there's any way we can connect and help with that, we can still run something out to you. We can we can we can make your loved ones
0: day special, no matter what the occasion is. Well, this is gonna be a tough question, I feel like. If you had to choose only one product in your shop to have at home during one of these extended lockdown periods like we're in now, what would it be? What would it be? <laughs>
4: and it's not by category i would grab um, <laughs> i would grab a bottle of the rdv friends and family wine and <laughs> a portion of a wheel of our star cheese which is amazing i'm going to give you three items and okay that's um, fair local nana Cucina's guacamole tortilla chips if you haven't had them there's only two left on the shelf because they They leave as soon as they come in. But I think I would hunker down with that on the food side. We can talk gifts on another day. But, um, yeah, those are my three favorites.
0: Well, let's cheat a little little bit. What about... um a favorite kitchen tool or serving bowl or piece of smallware that you carry? What, what would it what be? Would I do? Um, you know, I have just gotten these
4: great, um, rattan pitchers from a company in Berkeley, California, and they just kind of make you feel like you can go sit outside on your porch, um, on some of these sunny, warmer days we've had. And, um, make yourself a pitcher of either lemonade or maybe some margaritas and just kind of feel like all is right in the world, even just for a little <laughs> bit. Right? And you've got your chips there too. So I have to say, oh. this is, um, I think we've already sold three or four just over one Instagram post that my sister put up. So they're popular. And I really think with the gift stuff that I purchased, it's all stuff that I would want in my home. So I would grab that and my items and, And try to get some time outside at home.
0: That sounds heavenly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jean Marie, thank you so much for chatting with us and for introducing yourself to everyone on this platform today. This has just been a great conversation and I hope we get to have some more. Thank you, Natalie. It's been great
4: chatting with you.
0: I'm here with Kevin Powers of Powers Farm and Brewery. Hi, Kevin.
6: Hey, Natalie. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for making time to be with us today. I was hoping you could tell the listeners a little bit about the farm and brewery.
6: Yeah, sure. I can keep this short. So we're um, we're located in Midland, Virginia. We're just south of Warrenton. We kind of began as an organic farm um, in 2012 and sold. Melody, my wife, you know, has been kind of the the one running most of the the agriculture stuff. Uh, But, you know, so she started, you know, growing fruits and vegetables. Um, We started growing hops at the time, too. Um, She sold most of the produce through the Manassas Farmer's Market, and then we sold the hops to a couple local breweries, including Old Busthead. And then we kind of always intended to do the brewery. We were in a different part of the county at the time, but we kind of found some property where we're at now and moved the farm down there in 2017. And so... Right now we've got two and a half acres of organic fruits and vegetables, uh, about a thousand hot plants, chickens, um, sheep. Hopefully, we've been saying we're going to get into sheep for three years now, and then we've got a small tap room um, and brewery on site. So we brew uh, in basically five five barrel batches, if that means anything. Uh, so it's it's a pretty small system, and then you know the purpose of the brewery is really to take as much things as we can from our field um, and and like make them a focal point of of a recipe so we brew you know a new recipe each week we've got one or two beers that we try to keep on tap but for the most part we you know we're truly seasonal in that way I guess and in, in the sense that we're just brewing things as they come in and as they're available and you know I think that keeps things fun for us and, and fun for everybody else too.
0: Well, I can attest to the fact that you all are a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy coming out and, you know, having the pleasure of hearing local music and you step outside onto the farm and you've got chickens coming to greet you <laughs> and everybody's just happy. There's a fire pit. You got food trucks. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's always a good time at the at the tap room and, and outside of the tap room. Yeah. Have you had to make any big adjustments to serve customers or make up for lower revenue than projected during this COVID pandemic? Yes,
6: yes, of course we have, unfortunately. So I think, you know, the biggest change is is just like really a fundamental change in the way that people can access our product. So, you know, before we were really heavily focused on, you know, on-site consumption was something like 95 percent uh of our revenue and you know what happened to the beer um and that overlapped really nicely with the fruits and vegetable pickup so i guess i didn't mention that we sell it all through um a csa which stands for community supported agriculture but really in practice it's just a kind of summer weekly subscription where you know people pay up front and then you know for several weeks we change the number every year um Pick, You know, they they're, they get a basket of fresh fruits and vegetables that week. So for a lot of those people, they also were signing up for like what we called the beer CSA, where they would come and have access to, you know, whatever was fresh from the brew house that week, and then go home with, you know, with beer and food. And, and then also people like to come see the farm, have a pint of beer at, like you said, at the picnic table outside or inside. You know, and then the other thing is that because we were brewing new things each week, the kind of like the show and tell of it and the demonstration and the tastings and, and you know, people would come in and get small pours of a whole bunch of different beers to try things. So that was all like a really big part of just like the experience that we were kind of like accidentally creating. <laughs> um, and so now, <laughs> you know, of course, with things being different, we're, you know, mandated to be a, a to-go option only. And so we've had to really shift we're changing our hours every, almost every week. I think we finally figured that out. We went from being open four days a week to open seven days a week. And so we're trying to really figure out how to be convenient for people. Um, Cause it's a lot more of not that people aren't happy to see us, but we're like a little bit more of an errand for them as opposed to something that they might do if they have a couple hours and want to relax or spend time with, with family or friends or, or what have you. So you know, that part's been a big shift. We also, you know, just out of a little bit of paranoia, are trying to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to keep the wheels rolling. Um, and so that's part of why we decided we wanted to try to open up seven days a week to see what would work. And, you know, that's, that's all been kind of an interest, interesting adventure. Um, you know, and I think we're making kind of peace with what that means and the change that that's caused for our routine. The great news is that, you know, our customers have been crazy supportive and especially, you know, we used to have a good mix of people that were local that were coming by from time to time and then also just kind of adventurers from D.C. or wherever. So now it's like we're really, you know, keeping the lights on with people that live one mile away, five miles away. That kind of support has been has been really great. and And so that's good, you know. I mean, I think there's a whole bunch of other you know, less interesting stuff that we've had to change around just our general processes to to kind of do our part like for the acute kind of distancing and, and cleaning and you know, a lot of that stuff we felt really good about beforehand. But um but yeah, I mean I think a lot of that's been interesting. We've also had to really think hard about our packaging. So we do we would do growler fills, which were kind of like, you know, refillable glass containers. But we decided, you know, we had a friend that runs Dynasty Brewery, which is a uh, great brewery up in Loudoun County. And he had a growler machine, which is kind of a one time use growler setup. So we've been able to get into some new things, which has been good.
0: During times when the brewery is full of customers, you always have a great food truck on site. You've continued to invite trucks to the farm during this new way of doing things. Why did you believe it was important to continue and how has it been received by your customers?
6: Yeah. So, I mean, I think one nice thing about the food trucks is that they, they pivot really nicely into to go orders. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of the food truck stuff really is to go anyway. It just, um, you know, we were letting people, we were providing the space for them to to sit and enjoy it. Um, And a lot of people use the food trucks as as to go food options before all this anyway. So, you know, we, that, that part of it was frankly pretty easy. Um, We wouldn't, have had the truck out in the first place if we felt uncomfortable with how seriously they took their kind of health standards and, and things like that. So, you know, I think for that part of it, you know, it, it worked out. It also, it turns out that I, I, f- especially the, the good trucks and there are a lot of them they're, they're doing really well, frankly. I think that they used to be kind of a treat and now they've turned into something where people are home a lot more. They're not getting takeout lunch uh, at work every day. So for a lot of people it's just a nice, you know, option to one, safely get out of the house without entering the crowded area. And then two, just a break from cooking. And I'm always, you know, hoping people are cooking more and more because of our because of our, you know, fruit and vegetable operation, but can't do it all the time and Melody and I, Melody and I certainly don't do it all the time. So you know, I think they're actually the ones that are making a quality product that have good reputations are, are doing really well through this. It's a little bit hit or miss because, you know, certain businesses that they kind of attach to have slowed down. You know, we're not, you know, getting as many people on beautiful sunny Saturdays as we were before. But I think the subscription rate for them is a lot higher. So, you know, I mean, I think the food trucks that we have found to are, you know, Melody and I are owner operated. We care a lot about the product. And so we're really just like have run into other, you know, mostly folk here or adjacent people. So they're, you know, they're also kind of care a lot about their core product. They're working very hard to develop their customer base and all those kinds of things. So, you know, I think for, for Mel and I, we, you know, that having, having a food pairing with the beer was always kind of helpful. Um, it wasn't like something that we spent a lot of time thinking about to be honest with you until after we opened but it's it's been a great way to partner with another business, help another business, create a you know more interesting experience for the people that come out you know and I think the other thing is like we're always trying to get as much of that as much as you know our business is intertwined as much as we can with the community so We're buying more and more of our grain from Virginia growers. And, uh, you know, we're trying to, of course, use as much of our own stuff. But we use some things from other farms, too, especially fruit that, you know, is going to take us years to spin up. So, like, you know, we really push our food trucks to do the same. So, you know, sourcing proteins locally, all of those types of things.
0: It's really nice to see how one small business can provide an opportunity for another small business. And that's kind of what comes to mind when I think about what you're doing for food trucks and how you invite them onto the farm.
6: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think uh everyone that's one of the things that's been like just an incredibly awesome surprise about opening this business is that we became best friends with all kinds of local businesses and not just in the food space. I think there's like a real sense of we need to help each other out and it sounds sounds a little uh a little lame when you say, when you say it out loud but it's it's really true and I think you know especially with like all the the current events here, you know people are Scrambling a little bit to find what they need to find, um, so it's there's kind of this there was this brief window of just reminding people about you know things, whether it's you know coffee or bread or or meat or or anything else in between um, there's There's a lot of really great local options, and it's just like it doesn't cost us anything to to do what we can to help their businesses, um, you know even ones that have overlap with us uh, you know the variety. There's plenty of room for variety, I think, even in a place like Falkyer County. So, you know, I think a lot of that stuff uh is just really easy to do and and um and you know, I think when you find these hardworking food truck people, you know, you really appreciate them just like their customers do and and want them to be successful. So
0: if you don't mind, could we circle back around to your CSA option?
6: Yeah, yeah, I would love to. So, you know, that's kind of the base of what we do. And the, it's become the only way that we sell the fruits and vegetables. Uh, and it's, it's basically, you know, a wide variety of, you know, 30 plus different fruits and vegetables that we pull together The this year in particular <laughs> has been, uh, you know, we're, we're just about filled up, which is a little quicker than we normally get filled up. And I think the reasons for that are, are kind of obvious. People are just, you know, thinking a little harder about where their stuff's coming from and maybe want kind of a low touch, reliable way to get some things into their kitchen. So we, you know, appreciate that. The the only thing with farming that, you know, I think is true for, for everybody is it's not a, it's not a super scalable operation, at least it isn't, you know, in the way that we do it. So we unfortunately kind of have a preset cap based on, you know, how much land we have and, and how much, you know, our, we don't, we don't have a tractor, <laughs> for example. Uh, so there's just kind of unfortunately a limit, you know, we probably could have, done something like doubled the subscriptions if we really wanted to push it this year. So we, we feed about, you know, it's 75 to 80 families that end up subscribing, which we think is great for what we're doing. And it keeps, it keeps us plenty busy. One of the silver linings of this is is that I think there's been kind of a renewed interest in that. And there was interest before, but I think it's just kind of some people that might not have had that front of mind all the time are thinking more about it.
0: I think you're right about that. Yeah. Hey, last time I was out at the brewery, I saw a new structure going up. Do you want to give anyone an update on what's going on there?
6: Yeah, I would love to actually. so that was uh you know when we originally opened, we exhausted our resources and had what we had and so what what we what we found over the last couple of years is like just some pain points around you know space and Cold room storage and how much room we have for barrel fermentation and all those kinds of things, so we kind of packed that all into one idea, which was basically this new building so the new building's just about done uh, it 's got you know some storage, which is boring, but also we'll be able to expand our barrel fermenting program so we 've been doing a lot more kind of aged beers and Belgian style beers or beers with mixed fermentation that take a lot of time and a lot of room and you know, if you've been to our place, you know, there's not a ton of room uh, to be forklifting barrels, you know, all the way up to the, <laughs> to the ceiling or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, that's half of it. The other half of it that we're like pretty excited about is that we're going to be putting in a small commercial kitchen. And the equipment for that actually should be arriving this week. And we're kind of scrambling to get all of that plumb together and everything. And the, the other kind of big thing that we wanted to get into, and this is Kind of an age old farm tenant, I guess, but you know we we feel like we grow really great fruits and vegetables, but not everybody is going to want to like do all of their own cooking with with carrots and and whatever so you know value add is always like a thing you get hit over the head with when people are trying to help you grow your your farm business so one thing Mel and I are, are really super interested in at home is is pickling and home fermentation of vegetables, so we 've been a little bit coy about this because you know, we have to do some, some more R&D and, and figure out how it fits into everything else we're doing. But we're we're hoping to have basically a line of, of sauerkrauts and pickles, you know, available this summer and this fall. So it'll all be, you know, fruits and vegetables, well, I guess mostly vegetables that we're growing, you know, right there on the farm. And then we're working with, uh, there's a couple, you know, Tiffany, one of our taproom employees has a ton of, you know, experience with that kind of thing. So does, you know, my brewer, Thomas. And and then we're also going to be with, I guess I'll just go ahead and mention it, but uh, Josh Freed runs Freed's Biscuits Company and he, um, he does all kinds of really awesome creative stuff. And so he'll hopefully be around. So yeah, we're going to be, you know, there's also an event space-ish in there for kind of small gatherings. That's not as uh, relevant right this second because of what's going on. But yeah, we're excited about, you know, we don't have any intentions of like really growing and, you know, we won't be buying a, 20 barrel brewing system, we won't be buying a tractor and farming 15 acres of of fruits and vegetables. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not what we're going to be doing. So we're trying to kind of broaden ourselves in a way that'll keep things interesting. So
0: So Kevin, can you give us a sneak preview of some of the brews that you all might have coming for this summer?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is a fun time of year because stuff, you know, starts to come in. So we did a stat with some roasted dandelion root that we you know didn't cultivate there's no need to cultivate that but uh we've got some other fun stuff coming up we do a blackberry saison that we should have out in a week or two with uh organic blackberries from our neighbor's farm actually he's right literally on the other side of the trees um we also are approaching the time when our elderflower kolsch which is a real fun kind of popular beer uh comes back around and that's you know there's only a week or two that we can kind of get a good harvest of elderflowers. So, yeah, those are all, you know, some fun things that that we'll have coming up. And, you know, we're also excited to, you know, re-ramp up some of these kind of to-go options and partnerships that we're doing. So a lot of that stuff will be available, you know, like I already talked about at our tap room seven days a week, which is new. But we're doing some some fun things with other businesses and farms too. Uh, delivery programs with Wiffle Tree Farm, which we're really, really excited about you know, and we're always going to be kind of exploring new stuff as we kind of work through all this.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about what's going on at Powers Farm and Brewery. I'm hoping that we can speak to you again in the future.
6: Yeah, we'll always be happy to join. and, And thanks for having us on. This was fun.
7: Here with Megan Shreve, General Manager of Happy Family Ranch. Hi, Megan, how are you? I'm doing well. Megan, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for the past year now. And if you could take just a few minutes to tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about the ranch. Absolutely. Um, I am the General Manager
8: at Happy Family Ranch. I have been for a little over six months now. I've been with the company almost a year. My background is in hospitality. I spent 17 years in the restaurant industry, which is why Happy Family Ranch brought me on to to help run their two food trucks. And one thing led to another. And I have two food trucks, a mobile unit, and a 123-acre farm underneath my wing now. Um, And it's been a wonderful experience. The Happy Family Ranch itself was started in 2014 by the Pineda family. Their whole goal um, was to bring family and food together. They wanted people to, they didn't want the 123 acres to just be a private farm. Their whole goal has been to share the views, share the land, share the animals with the community. Um, Their whole mindset is we're all busy and we all do work, but they also believe that everyone deserves to take a break from their busy schedule to enjoy nature to enjoy what the land has to provide for us. And, uh, and their goal is to absolutely share that with the community. Um, the farm features Yorkshire pork, Angus beef, and then our claim to fame, the Wagyu beef. The wa- We cannot call it Kobe beef, but it is the Wagyu breed cow. <laughs> and it is very, very good meat. Um, outside of the farm itself, we do operate two food trucks, We just took on a second one about two months ago, so it's still going through its paperwork process. However, our original food truck is just over a year old, um, and it features our meats in hot meals, as well as with the hot meals, we try and leave our, our, or to give our Latino flavors in our menu as well. The panadas are from El Salvador. And they absolutely want to uh, incorporate the flavors of their hometown um, and their home country. So we absolutely, on the food truck, we offer quesadillas, uh, traditionally, tortas, which are a very traditional Spanish sandwich. We offer our cheeseburgers. The um, What else do we offer? For, oh, we also try and mix up our tacos. We absolutely offer tacos, but we try and mix it up. We will do anything from traditional street style tacos to Korean barbecue tacos to pulled pork tacos. We're we're absolutely trying our hand at a, um, all of that. We also well, feature our po'boys um, with our and we we did our own version of a po'boy with our andouille sausage. So it's absolutely to introduce. The flavors of our meats to the community in hopes that you would turn around and buy the meats, uh, our meats for your home.
7: Well, I've been a customer of Happy Family Ranch for the past few years, and my first introduction to the ranch was I was shopping at a farmers market, of course, (laughs) Uh for a client, a personal chef client that I had, and I purchased some of your product. Got got to talking with the family and just fell in love right away and. I say this, and it sounds a little creepy, but I thought to myself, they don't know it yet, but we're going to be friends. Right. <laughs> it's amazing
8: how that works. You just find find humans and say, you know what? I like you.
7: <laughs> so y'all, y'all are stuck with me. Yes. And we're very happy to be. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. So I know that there have been some changes going on on the farm. Um you all have had some build out some things, and what obstacles has the COVID pandemic brought this season? And how have you adjusted? The there have definitely been obstacles put
8: in our way. Um, we've had to pivot more ways than one. We had plans. Uh, we were kind of keeping them, you know, close to the chest. But we had plans to open the the farm to the public this year. Uh, actually, this month. <laughs> um, and the we obviously we cannot do that. We have had to close the farm to the public. Um, so what what it has done in turn is it has definitely amped up our at home deliveries. And I think a, a a lot of the community wasn't aware that we've been doing at home de- meat deliveries since the farm opened. Uh, and this has really gotten that aspect of the farm and and that service that we do it's featured that now it's it's the main feature we've had to park the food trucks and this the whole staff has had to to adjust from cooking and and grocery shopping to okay now we're now we're doing deliveries now we're we're loading up every morning and dividing and conquering so i think it's definitely it's affected us but not necessarily negatively we're very fortunate the the pushback in opening the farm to the public has only given us more time to make sure that everything is is absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, putting up those last few fences, getting the parking lot uh, ready. So it's it's hindered us, but it hasn't. We're, we're like I said, we're we're on the fortunate end of all of this.
7: Absolutely, and I will say that. I know that your delivery service has been really valuable to a lot of folks in the community. You know, there there are people who really don't want to take a chance going to the grocery store right now. And, you know, we're, we're trying not to live in fear. We're trying to be sensible about things. Absolutely. I think that service has given folks a level of comfort that everyone appreciates.
8: And it's it's... It, you're right. It, it's a it's absolutely a level of comfort. It's given uh, the Happy Family Ranch staff a level of comfort. It's absolutely contactless deliveries. Um, of course, we'd love to be personal and say hi and shake hands, but you know we're just that's not feasible right now. And but it's allowed us to be as safe as possible while still servicing the community. Contact, deli- contactless delivery. We drop off at the door.
7: We send an invoice to be paid online. It's very easy. Since you all came on the scene in Fauquier County and even in Prince William County, you all have had a really big impact on the community, um, just the way you all interact with everyone and the way you're willing to help out other businesses. I saw that Happy Family Ranch recently made a donation to a local food pantry, which is a little bit different aspect of supporting the community. Can you tell me why you feel it's important for small businesses to give back in this way? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's highly
8: important. It's extremely important. Um, the, the community itself is what supports us throughout the year. It's what allows us to do what we do and continue to do it. Uh, we are We are the community. We are you. We are locals. And we are locals providing for our community. Our community supports us so much throughout the year, from our food truck to our mobile market to the farm itself. It's only right that we give back in times of need to the community, which has already done so much for us. We are so thrilled that we are able to give back. We have the means to do so. We actually made, that was our second donation. We made our first donation to the Fauquier Food Bank. And what allowed us to do our second donation was uh, a few anonymous members of the community made monetary donations to the farm, to to which we turned around and put that right into the donations. Weren't going to be able to give very much to the food pantry, but those donations from the community allowed us to bump it up to a hundred pound donation. It was incredible. It... Brought tears to everybody's eyes. It brought tears to my eyes when I received the donation and then was able to drive that meat out to the food pantry. So the commu- there again, it's only right that we give back to
7: the the community that has allowed us to give back. Now, I mentioned that I am a customer of The Ranch and I have a lot of favorite products. <laughs> <laughs> I know some. Um, you and I have some of the same favorite products. <laughs> oh, well, good. Then you'll... Maybe you'll answer the question for both. Okay, of us. if you had to choose only one product from the ranch to have at home during an extended lockdown period, kind of like now, what would it be? Oh my gosh,
8: Natalie, that
7: is the toughest question you've asked me so far.
8: <laughs> it's hard to choose, but to be honest, I love a good steak. I love a good steak, and and our Angus and our Wagyu, that marble red on our Delmonico steaks and then we've just introduced a new cut it's called the denver cut the cut right next to the delmonico oh my gosh it's phenomenal but there there again you can't go wrong with our country style pork ribs our andouille sausage it's what mood are you in that's the question
7: (laughs) (laughs) that is a good question i think honestly in my freezer right now i have a sausage variety for every yes, mood, every yes. cuisine. <laughs> there's something in my fridge. Some you just want um, a traditional chorizo and other days you want
8: that fresh
7: kielbasa. Absolutely and I have to say that I find your line of sausages to be one of the most versatile things that as a chef I like to keep on stock. Right now there's going to be a lot of greens becoming available at the farmer's market and one of my Favorite things to do is to pair a package of your sausage taken out of the uh-huh. casing with maybe a couple of onions, a handful of garlic, and whole lot of hearty grains like collards, yes. and just kind of simmer that for a little while. And I can eat that all, all week. Long. Yes.
8: And it's it, like you said, the, the proper word is versatile. You know, we've had, I always tell people when I sell meats, hey, if you're on Facebook and you cook a meal with our meats, take a picture, tag us on Facebook. I want to see what everybody's making with our meats. And uh, quite a few people have responded by doing that. I'm learning new recipes from people. And it's (laughs) wonderful to hear what people are doing with the meats. And and my daughter and I are definitely eating new things as well.
7: (laughs) Well, Megan, I know you have a lot of deliveries that you need to get back to. And I just wanted to say, thank you for your time and please thank maria for me
8: yes ma'am and hopefully we will get to talk to you on another episode please do natalie thank you for including us thank you for always thinking of happy family ranch and we're very very proud to be a part of this community and this county and this lineup it's my
7: pleasure all right megan we'll talk to you later take care
5: Our next guest is Joaquin Medina, owner of Gonzalez Farm in Tappahannock, Virginia. He has been a vendor at the Warrington Farmer's Market for many years. I think it's about 11 years and we're so excited to have him here today. So Joaquin, thank you so much for joining us.
3: You're welcome. Thank you, Natalie.
5: Could you tell the listeners a little bit about your farm?
3: Well, we operate like a 30 acre farm in Tappahannock, Virginia. We do crop rotation, grow seasonal vegetables, family-owned and operated.
5: Excellent. Okay, great. And who works on the farm?
3: Well, it's me and my wife, and our neighbor helps all the time. And then part-time, when it's time to start picking the vegetables, we just have a lot of friends that come out and help.
5: Oh, wow, that's kind of a nice sense of community that you have around the farm there. Given the current circumstances with the COVID epidemic, have you had to make any big changes to the way that you serve your customers?
3: Yes. Well, for example, we had to open a web store in order for us to reach out to the customers.
5: And that's different because that's something that you have never had before, huh?
3: Yeah, it's always the customers coming to us at the farmer's market, and now everything has to be prepaid.
5: Yep, and that's great for safety, but I understand that it can take a lot of time to set up a website and put products on it when you're having to work in the fields as well.
3: Well, yes, but with these new changes, you have to adapt.
5: Absolutely, absolutely. That's what we're hearing from most of our farmers and our store owners as well. Joaquin, have you been surprised by anything you've learned from your experiences this spring?
3: Well, when I opened up the web store, customers are home. Looking forward to purchase all summer long due to it being fresh rather than coming in through buying it at the store.
5: Oh, absolutely. Your products are always so fresh, and, which means they last a lot longer once we bring them home. So that's very nice. And I know you're at several farmer's markets. Would you tell our listeners what farmer's markets you participate in?
3: We participate in Warrington on Saturdays. And my wife is on city of Manassas farmer's Market. On Saturdays as well. We also do Sundays in Washington D.C. at the Palisades, and we just started a new one at Remington.
5: Oh yes, Remington in Southern Fauquier County. That's a that's a small market, but they do have some loyal customers there.
3: Yes, that's a pretty friendly market.
5: In your opinion, is the farmers market and selling directly to customers the best avenue for farmers to utilize?
3: With these new changes right now, yes, of course.
5: Now in your in a usual season um outside of what's going on right now do you sell to any other customers than the ones who are using the product in their home do you sell to any restaurants
3: We used to the previous years but most of the restaurants are shutting down so that makes it very hard for us to continue sales at the restaurants
5: Yeah so that's been having a pretty big impact on your business I I bet now, I met you all at the Warrington Farmer's Market. Is that market an important market for your business?
3: Yes. I mean, I just do weekend farmer's markets Saturday and Sunday, and that's pretty much it. That's the only way of us getting the money.
5: I got you. So that right now, that's your only revenue stream. What sets your vegetables and fruit apart from those purchased at a grocery store?
3: The freshness is guaranteed. It hasn't been on the truck. It hasn't been refrigerated comes out the farm straight to the customer.
5: Okay, so tell us a little bit about how your week goes. Is there a day you set aside for answering emails and then is there a day that you harvest product and pack it?
3: Well, we check emails regularly every day and we don't start the packing process on Thursday. Picking on Thursday and packing on Friday, getting ready for Saturday markets.
5: Okay, so a lot of what customers are seeing at market may have even been harvested the day before
3: either either Thursday or Friday. Yes.
5: Wow. No wonder it stays nice so long in my refrigerator when I purchase from you.
3: Fresh. Yeah.
5: (laughs) And I have seen that you do have a couple of helpers um, when you go to market sometimes. I don't know if they'll be with you this season, but, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about who they are and how they help on the farm, that would be great. Uh,
3: yes, it's Marlon, Medina, and Isabel. They're both my daughters, 15- and 12-year-olds. They just love going out to the farmer's market they enjoy the environment. And at the farm, they're always helping around. They love especially, like, cutting flowers, planting flowers. anything has got to do with flowers, really.
5: <laughs> and then, so, she'll. Um... From what I understand, Sashila so is responsible for planting all of the seeds and kind of nurturing them until they're ready to go in the ground. And then what happens from there?
3: Well, she she takes charge of the greenhouse, makes, I mean, germinating all of the seeds to go into the farm. And then once they're ready, I take them out into the field and plant them. And then... I uh, take care of them, water them, and that's what we harvest from.
5: Okay. Joaquin, you're serving customers at farmers markets. Is there any other way you're reaching customers right now?
3: Well, through our web store. If they're within like 10 miles from farmers markets, we attend to 10 or 20 miles maybe, um, we can do free deliveries to their house if we purchase $40 or more.
5: And has that been a popular option?
3: Um, A lot of people don't want to participate in any ac- outdoor activities. So, yes, they uh they want home delivery, contactless home delivery. Just drop wow. it off and force the
5: That's so convenient. Wow, customers are really lucky that you're adapting in this way. Um, well, hey, I want to say thank you so much for spending a little bit of time talking to us today, and I hope that I get to see you on Saturday at the Warrenton Farmer's Market.
3: Yes, thank you. No problem. We'll be there. It's going to be new for us. We're going to have to learn this new way of shopping at the farmer's market
5: me too it's going to be really different because i'm used to being able to stand next to you and talk to you and touch all the produce but i'm pretty assured that everything that you have on your truck is going to be beautiful and fresh so we don't have to worry about that
3: guaranteed i know where it's coming from
5: (laughs) thank you joaquin
3: yes ma'am thank you natalie
0: All of the guests we've heard from today participate in the Warrington Farmers Market or are located in Fauquier County, Virginia, DC's gateway to the Piedmont region. If there's something I'd really like to impart on folks who are listening, it's this. It isn't difficult to support local farmers, get the best quality fresh food and to strengthen our local food system. And right now, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, it won't take much more time to shop at the market than it would to shop at a grocery store. It's my belief that it's a lot safer as well. There'll be less points of contact, less people touching your food and its packaging before it enters your home. Plus, you get to select everything you want from the comfort of your own home by ordering online or via email. I wanna thank you for spending some time with me today, getting to know some of the agriculture and food-based businesses that weave the fabric of our local food system. I look forward to connecting you to the best of what's in season next week right here on the Chef Farm and Fork podcast.